0: Do we have the youth? We discuss all the players coming through this season, the A-League Men Premier's Plate Race continues to heat up, Sealy season begins, transfer room is coming in left, right and centre and we discuss the Asian Champions League format and what it means for Melbourne City and Sydney FC as they struggle to make it out of the group. Welcome to the KickCast episode number 29. Uh, a lot to chat about, including Garan Quall, who scored again as we are recording during the Brisbane Raw versus Central Coast Mariners fixture, in which Nick Montgomery's men are currently up 2-0. I'm your host for today, Neil Simons, and joining me is uh, Kick360's very own Jack George and Jacob Bryars. Jacob, how was your weekend?
1: Uh, my weekend was great, yeah. It's um... Pretty busy, but overall not bad. Better than um last weekend, that's for sure.
0: Uh, hope that's good, I guess. Uh, Jack, how are you?
2: I'm good, thanks, Neil. How are you?
0: Yeah, thank you for asking me how I was, unlike Jacob. Um, but uh, we move on. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll talk... We'll, we'll, first of all, we will recap the A-League men uh, action from the weekend. Uh, I think we'll also touch on this game briefly once it actually ends. Hopefully, we can finish in about 20 minutes, um, as there was 20 minutes left, according to the Paramount Plus uh, delayed scoreboard. Um, uh, Daniel Sturridge returned to action as the Perth Glory drew 1-1 with the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, Goals from Bruno Fornaroli was cut out by Kijiro Ogawa as uh, the two, uh, I guess, bottom six sides uh, did put on a a bit of a show. I thought it was a nice little crowd there at HBF Park. Um, Jacob, uh, Sturridge finally gets some minutes in the boots and, and I guess, provided an assist. Uh, what was your thoughts on his performance?
1: Oh, Daniel Sturridge. He's, yeah, it, he doesn't really add anything to the team when he came on, didn't he? Like, he just kind of looked like an average run-of-the-mill A-League player, if you could even say that. But I guess we move with that. Just Perth Gorey have to move with that, you know, losing... Upwards of 500k for his wages.
0: 500k, you've been pretty generous, mate. I'd say probably a, a million, if, if that, uh, to be honest. But uh, uh, then we move on. Um, obviously, uh, Jack, the Wanderers, again, uh, interesting start. Int- sorry, int- interesting season they've had. Uh, they got the draw here away from home against a side that they shouldn't have really lost to, let's be honest. Oh, sorry, they shouldn't have really drew, uh, drawn to in the first place.
2: Yeah, I didn't watch this game. I'm just looking at the stats now. It seemed very one-sided. I guess the Wanderers had, what was it, 72% possession. You know, they completely dominated in terms of shots and expected goals, although it's not the best measure over one game. But, you know, like, I think they – should they – did either of you guys watch it? Do you reckon they should have won? Yeah, yeah, I watched it while I was, Coulton, well,
0: well, 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 I was at the Colton game in the AFL, um, unfortunately. uh, But, yeah, look, it was – interesting i guess there's not really a lot to talk about <laughs> about this game yeah. really like it's just sort of just run of the mill Wanderers is just holding possession and failing to do much with it um and sydney fc just so not sydney fc um perth glory just being perth glory uh
2: to be honest i have a um, question yeah do you would either of you guys like if sturridge was happy to resign on lower wages for example and stay with perth would either of you guys want him to stay as a fan of, I guess, like Australian football and the A-League men's, want him to stay for another year?
1: No, not at all. He doesn't – He we, he's had his opportunity, um, you know, to sort of, you know, get his name out in the A-League and become kind of like a um, cult hero within Perth Glory and um, the league. But he's kind of fumbled that with um, – overall, probably um, – whether it's his fault or not with injuries. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think he adds any sort of value whatsoever to the A-League and especially this Perth team as well. So, sorry, sorry. For sure.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think, you know, it's been a real catastrophic failure. I think the club has admitted as such. As such sorry. Um, you know, I really do empathise with Tony Pinjata and Tony Sage there at, at, at Perth. I mean, they've had probably one of the worst campaigns uh you will ever see from you know a, 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 a pure results perspective, and what they've had to be, what, what they've had to go through. You know, border closures, COVID cases, isolation, quarantine, this and that. It's just been a real, you know, saddening sort of exercise. And by putting, I guess, what twelve youth players on the pitch now, sorry, eleven youth players on the pitch now, and for these last couple of games, has really been a sombering and, and saddening moment um, for many. So you know, it is what it is, but hey, we move on. Uh, moving on to, uh, I think we'll talk about the uh, victory performance next because I know Jack's got a lot to discuss. Victory defeated the Wellington Phoenix three uh, one. Again, a very interesting contest riddled with VAR decisions and what have you. Uh, I guess we'll touch on that first. Um, Jacob Short Evans again in his uh, in Amy Park. He last time he sort of had VAR decisions to contend with on a, on a larger scale. Uh, it was that fateful night when, uh, I guess, uh, well, Lewis Miller got ankle tapped and Tilio was fouled uh, outside of the box as opposed to inside the box uh, for the penalty. Um, he got these two decisions, decisions correct, being the elbow um, and the, you know, I guess, complicated situation where Mahan did, fi- did foul and then the goal and what have you. Um, but seven minutes it took for that decision. Is that concerning to you?
1: Incredibly concerning. You shouldn't... Well, the um, original idea of VAR was um, just to bring in the obvious mistakes, obviously, from the referees and uh, correct those in a short amount of time. I don't think seven minutes is a short amount of time. If seven minutes in a game of football is... Um, that's almost 10% of the game of the 90 minutes. Um, it, Yeah, that's, it's something that um, the A-Leagues, APL and uh, whatnot... Definitely should be looking at. It's also a Football Australia issue because
0: Football Football Australia actually have the, they actually have oversight of appointing these match officials and the referees. So I'd yeah, say well, it's a Football Australia issue more than anything.
1: Yeah, well there you go. I didn't know that. I thought it was still just with the APL. But if it, yeah, if it's Football Australia appointing the referees and appointing the VAR and whatnot and how it's run, do a better job. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Especially for next season, like um, the amount of VAR mistakes we've had this year and in previous years, especially we've seen um, a lot of prominent examples. It hasn't really, I would, I would say since it was introduced in seventeen eighteen, 18 it hasn't improve, improved at all in terms of um, technically.
0: More of an implementation issue. But back on the football, obviously it was a fantastic night for, for, for Melbourne Victory and a very... Ridiculously cold, uh, sorry, rainy conditions uh, in Melbourne. Uh, I was, I obviously live in Melbourne and it was a very interesting hour or so when the rain did continue, continue to pour down. Uh, reminiscent of the victory 3-2 victory over Perth Glory, I think a couple of years back when Barbarossa scored that late winner. I'm not sure if you guys remember that, but um, D'Agostino with the goal in the second minute uh, was cut up by Walter Sandoval, Gail Sandoval, whatever you call him. Um, Jake Bremers penalty and Marco Rojas's goal in the 78th minute. Uh, were the key drivers. Although the the main player that was sort of lauded after this fixture was Jason Davidson. Uh he had a fantastic performance uh in left back. Uh, jack sort of touch on his performance and, and sort of how victory play as a whole you obviously have a YouTube video out and we'll link that in the podcast description when this is out but um what did you make of victory's uh, attacking transition?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I want to touch on the VAR stuff afterwards if that's right, but I'll just talk about this. I guess like Davidson was uh insane in this game as I kind of talked about he like just as an example like he usually averages around 1.6 touches in the penalty area which is I think probably even quite a bit for a fullback and he had seven which is just like a ridiculous amount of times we touching the ball in the boxes of left back they um completely overloaded Wellington's I guess like their makeshift midfield two of Sandoval and Pennington who is in general a six but Sandoval's more used to being a 10. So um, they can really overload those two with this line of like two players in between the three centre-backs and in between those two midfielders, which it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast, but essentially meant that the three centre-backs couldn't really do anything because as soon as they came out and pressed, the wingers made runs in behind the vacated space and that was a clear opportunity to score. So they couldn't press and so both Brimmer and D'Agostino could turn with time on the ball because the midfield two were being dragged up to help pressing higher up the pitch and Brimmer completely like Brimmer is amazing in those positions and capitalized on it completely. And Agostino is also really good at holding up the ball and like making runs off after like laying off and then continuing a run. Uh, Like on FIFA, Neil, you play FIFA, right? Like you know, when uh, you like hold down. Um, like... I've
0: I've I've been converted to FM, man. I mean, I've got a uh, very good save with the Wanderers at the moment. I mean, we have to, we have to try and make the Wanderers good again. So I've, I've signed Enzo Zidane and and Leo Bonatini. Um, you know, we have to get some Zidane influence. So um, well, I c- can confirm I've won the A League Finals in 2023-24. So there's some optimism. There's there's some optimism coming for Wanderers fans if they hire me. Um, but I, I don't think Mark Rudan would would exactly want to hire someone who. His coaching experience consists of under eights, uh state league level.
2: He also wouldn't want to hire someone in place of him either. <laughs> yeah, but, well, um, yeah,
0: that, that too.
2: <laughs> the analogy is I think like it's like when you hold down that trigger and press pass and they like make a run off the ball. That's what D'Agostino does a lot and it works it really sounds well. Sounds like you
0: want to play me in, in FIFA, Jack, because I've got no idea what you're talking about.
2: okay never mind never mind
0: no i'm just joking but but i get what you mean he's
2: really good at that and they completely like it was really clever and it took wellington about half an hour to adapt to that by just sitting a bit deeper and like compacting space which is fair enough because i mean i don't i don't like blame wellington to be honest they're like their normal midfield twos out inches they've been forced to completely change system but povich really capitalized on that it was really clever and then davidson uh, was super interesting because he essentially like, he was like the playmaker for his side from left back. They always play this thing where their fullbacks are really involved, particularly Davidson on the left with like these underlapping runs. But he played, they played like a two, three, five in possession sometimes with the two center backs at the back. They had their two central midfielders and then Guerrier in a midfield three. And then they had a front five with both their wingers, like the widest players in the touchline. And then, a rotating three in the middle of D'Agostino, Falami, sorry, not Falami, D'Agostino, Davidson and Brimmer. And it was really interesting to see a left back playing like an inside left in the front five because that never happens. And he did it so well. And, yeah, I'll go more into it actually in an article on Kick360 where I talk about, I guess, there are that shape in the game, which I'm looking forward to. So if you're watching and you're interested in me boringly talk about this, it might be slightly more interesting uh, in writing. But, yes, yeah, yes, that's yes. all I have stay, to say. Stay, stay
0: tuned. Stay tuned, guys. Big stay, stuff tuned. Coming. stay tuned. Stay tuned. Massive. Massive.
2: Can I just talk about the VAR while I'm on a massive? Yeah, panel? go
0: ahead, man. Uh, I just strangers.
2: think, like, Seven minutes is way too long, but they do have to get that decision right because it, if the if Melbourne victory award were correctly awarded a penalty, if they miss that penalty, that completely changes the game. And like in hindsight, it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't really matter. And I know you guys would probably both agree the decision has to be right, but I don't really see what other, other alternative there is in terms of like. I think, I either, think, I
0: either think, either I think, what, I think on a technicality framework, you can change it. It just depends to what degree you change it. Does it make any but sense? How do like- you make
2: that? Like, how do you make that s- seven minutes shorter? Is it just like the referee needs to take because they kind of have to get everything right, and there's a lot of stuff to judge in that thing. So I don't think Sean Evans is to blame because he ended up making the correct decision. I think it was just one of those really peculiar instances in football whether they had to look at. If it was a foul, which took a couple of minutes, which probably was a little bit too long, but a couple of minutes, and then look at if it was a penalty. And then those two things end up like in a really weird decision where obviously Melbourne Victory have a goal. Like I saw Ben White interaction was hilarious. I'm not sure if you guys saw it where like, it's like goal cancer is like, yeah. And then it was like penalty to Melbourne Victory. He was like, what? He was so annoyed about it. He was like, how is this happening? But like, because I mean, a goal is a 100% chance of being scored. A penalty is like a 78% chance. So it is like quite a big difference, and if FM they miss, ninety
0: percent. But you know,
2: fair enough. <laughs> well, FM's wrong, Neil. Based on, oh
0: that no, to be fair, FM used <laughs> different XU calculations, which is interesting.
2: I mean, but um, no, but like, it's just like it. I think it has to be made those decisions. And I think if there's no real way of doing it differently, unless VAR is just gone altogether and the seven and like, obviously then that saves seven minutes and it sucks for the players and it sucks for the fans of the game because it, I on t- watching on TV had very little idea what was going on until after a couple of minutes. So I can't imagine the fans <laughs> but like, you know, but like, if like It's like the integrity of the game kind of thing. If VAR stays, they have to do that annoying seven-minute check to see if it's right, I reckon.
0: Completely understandable. Victory now uh, secure a top three spot, and they might find themselves uh, in the Premiership race. I don't think so, but we'll see what happens. MacArthur defeated by the Newcastle Jets, and I think we'll touch on Ante Milicic uh, announcing his departure for the football club. Uh, Thomas Williams uh, fans rejoice. Um, it's an interesting one, uh, Jacob. I, I think we'll touch on this, him before the actual game. Uh, he's gone back to Croatia. He had that very fire. I would say fiery press conference. Just very honest press conference in which he said, uh, "You know, I'm worn out and tired." I heard these similar sentiments uh, from the Ante Milicic camp uh, several weeks back. Um, I understand that he's made preparations to already to already move to Croatia, and uh, we believe. Yeah, it's it's just interesting. Just to me, I think he's been. Uh, very s- stressed out. Um, sorry, my apologies. I've actually stuffed up the scores. It was th- it was three <laughs> nil. I i not that Yeah, that's right. You know what? Yeah, for podcast listeners, I stuffed up the score completely. MacArthur uh, did not score at all. Uh, in fact, the Jets scored another one. So there you go. And also, um, uh, I think I think Scott Neville's been sent off. <laughs> so. uh uh, great, great evening for the Brisbane Raw. And he literally throws the shirt into the kit man's hands. Oh, great lovely. Um, that's great view. Warren Mood is elated. Um, obviously, podcast listeners, we are currently recording this during the Brisbane Raw Central Coast Mariners game. Uh, but, but that doesn't matter. Anyway, moving on. Ante, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, Ante, Ante is uh, yeah, it, he's a good manager. I just feel as if with the resources that he has and has has dealt with in the past... He did not let this team perform to some the of their parts, and he put that down to uh, really that thirty-seven day break between uh, games when they had that whole COVID outbreak. Um, Jacob, your thoughts on Ante Milicic?
1: Um, uh yeah, obviously the press conference. It wasn't fiery at all. It's just, I think it was just. I said honest. Him. I, I clarified. Yeah. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's just him being, you know. Reasons for leaving and whatnot, but yeah, the MacArthur team, they can't really attribute it to that COVID break. I don't reckon, especially with that team and how I and just the fixture scheduling stuff around for literally the whole league. Um, you can't really use that as an excuse anymore, but yeah, with his team, like you look at the names look like Davila, Noon, Giannu, Meredith, and a whole bunch more. That's it with any other coach, um, A League coach, that's a top six team and just the tactics he's employed i'm sure um jack has a lot to say about um with his tactics but um just read out tom's tweets search up milicic yeah. <laughs> and, tom's tweets
2: and just tag that in the comments yeah at tom williams poll and look up milicic um yeah nah but, but, yeah, but at, putting the
0: focus first, on this yeah
1: sorry Yeah, but especially um, with MacArthur's resources and them actually with the salary cap, them being able to have that extra, oh, that extra, um, so so, um, it's a windfall. It's
0: it's an extra windfall for sure.
1: Like, oh, yeah, 100%. They should be making top six. I mean, MacArthur did that in their first season and did that quite well. But yeah, I just, next season, I'm not sure how MacArthur are going to go. They just need, they need a, if they keep the current crop of players, they need a manager that plays creative attacking football and lets their players actually, you know, play to their strengths and whatnot, unlike Milikic, where he's allowed them to, or disallowed them, really, and just played very restrictive structured football.
0: Yeah. And this game, of course, 3-0 to the Newcastle Jets. So uh, They are basically out of the finals race at this point. Goals... Yeah, bit... Uh, just... From Savas Valentino Yul, and Becca Mikel Tadze, secured the three points. Uh, Jacob, I guess we'll sort of keep it on you for a second. Uh, a good performance from the Jets, and uh, they seem to be hitting a, a purple patch despite themselves actually not, you know, playing for much really.
1: Oh, definitely it's it's great that, it's great to see that uh, good performance is coming in. Unfortunately, it's too little, too late. Um, but uh, towards the end of this um, last couple of games, they have been playing quite well. I think just couple of decisions just unlikely not going their way but no it's good it's good to see in this game that the team's actually you know playing for the badge even though they have nothing in the league to play for and if we can um, keep a lot of these plays for next season I know um, Beck is in for next season the the defense played really well against Macarthur, which is um, being rare this this year but if they can keep that chemistry up going in the next season they will be uh, they will be a great threat coming in the um, final series and I think they will make top six, but it's just to, um, to see, you know, if they can keep keep everyone. And um, I think Pappas has a good mini dynasty going here. So Jets fans rejoice.
0: We shall see. He's, all, he's obviously been uh, endorsed quite well, signed a two-year contract extension as well, uh, of course, announced in the middle of last week. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. Well, this was a very interesting result, I felt, uh, the Central Coast Mariners defeating the Western United 1-0, uh, which, well, contributed to their race for finals football. Um, and they've just about secured that. Currently one a uh, 2-0 up against Brisbane Royal with Garan Quoll steaming down on goal um, as Cummings scuffs shot. Uh, never mind. Uh, but the Mariners did get the 1-0 courtesy of a goal from Garan Qual, other than younger brother. Ten qual I believe, is also 18, plays in the MPL side. Um... Jack, this Mariners side, is it better than last season's Mariners under Stadic? I mean, Nick Montgomery has done a tremendous job with the resources that he's had and, and the signings that he's made as well. Um, basically, all the foreigners have, have really started to click.
2: Yeah, I just saw a tweet from uh, Philip Rollo. He said that if, I think, I can't remember actually, I think it's if the Mariners win, like, because they're obviously going to win this game and if they win on Saturday, they'll equal their points tally under Stagic which I think is pretty awesome. You know, like Montgomery was expected to come, like, I think anywhere between ninth and last coming into this season from, like, just what people were predicting based off, like, the changing of the squad. I mean, I think it's been discussed in this podcast how clever he's been as a coach uh, and the tactics he's deployed. deployed, So I won't touch too much on that. But I think what's really nice to see is the fact that he, despite not having a high-budget has done with it with a not always an attacking but a positive brand of football when they're in possession that is exciting to watch like me as a human watching it on TV I get excited when our uh, uraniel is on the ball and coming deep and stuff like that because of the way they play to like open up space and stuff like that it's really nice to see and it also like the the amount of young players that he's brought into this season obviously garen kowell who is just an exceptional player like he's so at home uh at a professional level like he has this r- this really unique From now instance.
0: on we shall go g- call Garankwal garansky
2: garansky all right official on his birth certificate <laughs> but he has this like unique thing that his brother also had aloe Alou, where um, they would both just have like this site for goal where they, they might not even scan to see where it is. They just know where it is. And that's kind of like uncoachable to an extent. Like you just like know it's there and he just hits it and he hits it so hard and very well. And um he also like playing, I guess, as more of a 10 than as a striker, as his brother did, he's got this that same kind of instinct in that final ball where he looks to force that final ball, which is also quite rare for a young player because that usually it develops with maturity. And obviously part of him maturing is the fact that he won't play that ball every time. But right now the role for him is perfect, where he comes in with 25, 20 minutes to go, where the Mariners are either up and or where they're drawing, looking for a goal, they're defending, and they're looking to counterattack and look for a goal and or they're looking for a goal themselves and he can kind of do all three if that makes sense like because he's an attacking player, that's obvious. But And then also he's like so comfortable in tight spaces, you know, like he's just a really all-round attacking outlet at the age of 17, which is extraordinary. And it's amazing what Montgomery has done with all of the youth players and how exciting he's made this team because that, it, yeah, it's really fun to watch. And qual I think, is like the epitome of like him, blooding young players into the squad, and that exciting brand of uh
0: football—absolute quality. Way oh, hey. yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a pun that was used last season with Aluqual. Speaking of Aluqual, he actually got sent off in his first game, FC Sannhausen against. Uh, was Schott.
2: the I reckon the the fight that broke out like when everyone sprint like springs onto the field all the subs I thought that was way like. You should have. You should have
0: seen what happened with Avedel against Endong City.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We'll talk. We'll talk about that later in our MPL uh, recap of the the round so far. Uh, we sort of do that every couple of weeks, which is which is great to see. Um, Watch call it. Moving on, the last game of the round that we'll talk about. Adelaide United defeat Brisbane Roar two 0 Standard performance from from Carl Vietzman. I'm sure this won't be sort of uh, too big of a discussion. Uh, goals from. Uh, George Blackwood. He's actually had a very, very tidy season uh, when he's been on the pitch uh, for Adelaide United, and also a goal from uh, Hiroshi Ubasuki uh, was was it really? I mean, I, Adelaide. This this centre back partnership between Lock, Lockie Bar and Alexander Popovich, I'm really liking. Um, and uh, Jacob, I'll, I'll turn to you for Lockie Bar. He was one of the standout players in the South Australian NPL, Some calling him the best NPL centre back. Uh, what do you make of, of his sort of form in the A-League? And he's really starting to grow into a solid player.
1: Um, yeah, I think um, he, he's definitely taken this A-League opportunity incredibly well. I think calling him the best NPL centre-back in Australia last year is is definitely, definitely a shout. Um, he was involved in my personal Instagram account's NPL Football Team of the Year. Just plug that in there. But no, he's... Been absolutely quality this year. When he has been playing for Adelaide, I think in terms of going straight from the MPLSA, which let's be honest, is a second tier MPL comp compared to um, Victoria's, New South Wales. To take that step up straight um into an A-League first team, yeah, it's been it's been great to see. And I think depending on next season and um, how Adelaide line up, we'll probably see him feature more because he's um he's still he's not the oldest so.
0: I believe he might be signing next year. I'm not so sure, but he might be. I'm not so sure with what's uh, – because I know Adelaide, obviously, they're currently undergoing a, a big restructure in terms of their ownership. So um, you never know. Ironically, Ross Peligro is taking over. Also, uh, I think invests a bit of money into South Melbourne as well, which is very interesting.
1: Very and interesting. just to touch on Adelaide's just form this year as well um... – Looking back at the start of the season, I'm not sure how many people had him in their top six, but I'm sure barely anyone did looking at the um looking at their side. But I think a lot of credit should go to Kyle Vert and how he's got Adelaide to play. Um compared to all these top uh top size. And all their all their um all their results against, you know, the cities and victories and whatnot have actually been really good and really promising. So I think they're a dark horse to make the grand final this year. One hundred and ten
0: percent. Uh Jackie, got any sort of comments on Adelaide United this season and, and their ability to sort of make an imprint in, in this top six?
2: Not really. I do have something on Brisbane Raw, though, which was like before the season, I did like this article on goals, uh, looking at like the team's goal scorers and then like who's leaving. And Brisbane, I can't remember what it was, but like they had a lot of, essentially they had a lot of their goal scorers leaving. And then you look at the places that were coming in in terms of players, sorry, that coming in, and it wasn't like it didn't line up and it's kind of been a little bit true this season like they have scored on average 1.22 goals per game which is all right but their expected goals per game is 1.78 so that's a massive like that's it means that every game they miss like so every two games they miss out on the chance on scoring one whole goal and that just happens over the course of the season and so they've completely outperformed their opponents, on average, over the last calendar year or the last season, in terms of like creating chances, but they haven't really been able to convert them. So convert them. So I'd be really interesting, interested. I can't speak. Interested to see what they would do with, I guess, a not just a more clinical striker, but um, more of a maybe a goal scoring midfielder, like of a clinical striker, and then like a few like just forward players that can really contribute to goal scoring, because that like they. Uh, the underlying numbers have just suggested they've been a good side this year in terms of their chance creation, and credit goes to Warren Moon for that. But they haven't been converting them, so it that like I mean I know I still feel like they can be a good side and a very challenging side next season if they make the right signings, particularly in attacking areas.
0: Most definitely, uh, completely agree with you. And of course, the role of course, did go down today to the Mariners. Two nil goals from. Uh, Lewis Miller and Garansky Qual to secure the Mariners' place in the six, which is great to see. The Asian Champions League, guys. Uh, Jacob's very passionate about this this topic. Melbourne City went undefeated in the Asian Champions League in their group stage, which involved teams uh, all the likes of BG Pathum, uh, Jonum Dragons, and uh, United City. While City FC had uh, a Vietnamese team, I think I'm, I don't want to pronounce. Because I'm going to stuff it up. Um, John Book and Yokohama, uh, both teams failed to get out of the group. Uh, with Melbourne City essentially being knocked out by former victory defensive midfielder Raoul Baena. Yeah, I this think, means um... that this means that Australia is now twentieth in the AFC coefficient rankings, and uh, does not really improve our standing whatsoever. With uh, with City not making out of the group uh, due to technicalities but nonetheless it's it's poor jacob uh it's a catastrophe of the highest order what are your thoughts
1: yeah it's definitely not ideal for um for no a league clubs making the last 16 the new format with um five group state with five group stage teams in the eastern eastern sides definitely will make it harder for teams to get out of the um uh said group stage but yeah, Sydney's SC's performance goes without saying incredibly subpar. I mean, credit to the um, Vietnamese team. I'm just going to call. Um, HAG, yeah. I think you can just call it. HAG, H-A-G. <laughs> um, yeah. Or Yeah, credit to them for um, toppling Sydney FC and also Yokohama and Yonbuk for going through. But Sydney have just been. It definitely. I didn't have any. Um, didn't have much hope with them going into the tournament, especially with Sydney's past performances of the Asian Champions League, but it's definitely not a good look for Australian football. On the other side, Melbourne City, drawing on points with um, BG Patum, um and not going through is not... It's You can't do much about it, I think. They definitely played... They definitely played... Um, played that to... Definitely played to the badge, uh, the players, and it's incredibly hard to play your strongest XI. Um, game in game out when they're only three days apart in a very humid country. So, and I think credit credit the Melbourne victory for their performance, uh, City Melbourne City for their b- performance, but it's just not. It's one of those years where it just didn't happen for us, and unfortunately, it's so next, disappointing, mate. And un- yeah, un- unfortunately, next season we're only going to have. Depending on results, we're only going to have either one confirmed in the Champions League or one confirmed in the Champions League playoffs, depending on how, um, how the knockouts go. But yeah, we I think there's only one real, not positive, but interesting point is that we'll see how the A-League clubs fare against the likes of the clubs from Indonesia and uh, Macau and East Timor
0: putting it very, very calm there. I'll just go on a little bit of a rant. Um, Melbourne City are the most resourced club in the A-League men. Their front three is Andrew Dabut. My apologies. My mic fell down. Their, 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 their front three is Andrew Dabut, Jamie McLaren, and Matthew Leckie. That's a Socceroos caliber front three that we expected to dominate the league, and they have with, with all due respects. Kiznobo's inability to adapt in Asia against different opposition and uh, game situations and what have you has been very disappointing. They, they play a very similar style of football in Asia when they do in Australia. Um, they did go undefeated. Kudos to them. Um, they probably should have defeated John of Dragons twice. Tom Glover has his confidence. Uh, you can see it. His confidence is has been completely dashed. Um, which is unfortunate for him because he was a great goalkeeper last season. And City, they just—I don't—I I just can't believe that this is the one of the easiest draws in my memory that an a lead team has had in the Asian Champions League, and we stuff it up again. Like I know everyone holds their own biases against every teams or whatnot because you know they support them or whatnot. If you're a supporter of Australian football, you should want Asian Australian teams to succeed in the Asian Champions League. Like I know, I saw a lot of Melbourne victory fans. You know, uh, what do we call it? criticizing Melbourne City for not getting out of their group? Yeah, it's it's true to an extent, but you should also feel a sense of sadness that we can't compete in Asia. I know we talk. About, I know we talk about the coefficient and things like that, and how it might be you know a little bit weird and what have you. But like at the end of the day, you know we're not really <laughs> performing to the standard at which we think we are at. And I, I, I didn't think CDFC FC would get out of the group, but the fact they're losing to a team from Vietnam uh, is uh, is quite upsetting. And it just shows the inability of coaches to adapt to Asian football. And I'm not saying that Grant Bredner's the best coach to have coached in Asia for the past two seasons, as he's the only coach that's actually taken a side into the second round in the past two seasons. But there is, there is serious cause for concern here. And I know the environment sucked and whatnot. I know City, you know, perform well on, on on the balance of everything, but I I just expected that them to be more clinical, um, really. And uh, it's an uncompromising predicament we're in as a footballing nation when it comes to us competing club club wise in Asia. Uh, internationally, it's another story, but it's just disappointment, really, because I, I had so I had such high hopes. I, I watched every, almost every single Melbourne City Group game. Because I was so excited to see this team like play in Asia, and they perform well in some games, and in the others they just faltered. It's just so upsetting. Jack, do you have any final points on the ACL performance? Well, yeah, well. I was
2: just gonna say I don't think that Kisnoba should be criticised for playing a similar brand of football in Australia. You know, in I, I, no,
0: I think it's just failure to adapt in game situations and against the 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 side because like, you don't have like fifteen hours of footage of these sides. Like as you do in that so,
2: league, then make. I'm sure. Wouldn't it then make sense to play the system you're familiar with and play it in the way you're familiar with? Because that, realistically, they probably had the play quality over any of those other three teams. So, and in the like in Australia, their kind of thing is like no matter the game state, they just continue to play their way, which is a bit crazy, but usually works. So, I mean, I didn't. I only watched one of Melbourne City's group games, so I'm probably I'm not the best to speak for this. But I just think that like he shouldn't be criticised for p- not playing like defensive, reactive football in Asia, particularly considering that realistically they should have gone out of the group, and the only reason they did, I'm not, I'm not is... saying
0: they should, play, I'm, not actually, I'm, not, I'm not saying they should play defensive football, like that's like City's yeah, City's power. like but like I'm just saying like they need to they need to just adapt, like you know you need to adapt against these teams, like some of these teams play a very very low block. I know that um, United City played a very very low block for example, you know, they,
2: they, they weren't, they, they weren't.
1: In Australia. The like, only reason we don't see all these variations in tactics in Australia is simply because the amount of restrictions that A-League clubs have on their squad and the amount of, well, the, the lack of, you know, flexibility and variation they have to create their squads just really makes coaches go, all right, everyone in this league's within a certain amount of a Within a certain amount of quality, we'll play to this tactic, and it will win us the, and this will win us the most amount of games. But so. they,
2: I mean, like there might not be too much flexibility within individual squads. But over the course of the like over the all of the teams in the league, there is a lot of different tactical variations on systems. Like even if you look at like just the 4-4-2, the different ways Sydney, Mariners, Wellington play, that's three completely different um style of play within one formation. And then the fact that Melbourne City invert their fullbacks, Newcastle do a similar thing, like Melbourne Victory, the way they use their fullbacks. Like every team Plays pretty much slightly differently. Oh
1: yeah, I'm not saying that. Yeah, no, I know. Sorry, sound. I'm
2: just going yeah. on a rant now. Uh, sorry, I know you're not <laughs> saying that. Like, we want this,
0: boys. We want this. It's good. within yeah. like
2: individual squads. Content. I don't it's think good. it's that unusual for them to play a certain way. Like if you look at the best teams in the world, Melbourne, like Melbourne City, huh. um, Manchester City, <laughs> Liverpool, stuff like that. Within their like some of the, like the best coaches in the world, they don't change their system. You know, like. How do I say this? Like, actually, you know what? I take that back because Klopp has completely adapted at Liverpool uh, within English football. But I just think, like, for example, Sydney, right? They actually played quite well against Jan Book Motors and against, you know, like, Yokohama in the first game and stuff like that like they did adapt in terms of they played more reactive they focused on counter-attacking with their front four and the reason that they didn't really do very well within like those counter-attacks is because of their front four keeps on changing which is then like whose fault is that because it could be the coach could it be like the players aren't like familiarizing with itself is like the training sessions not allowing for enough combination play you know but like against HAGL both times they were poor And in the other games, they were probably still poor, but they were facing better squads than them, particularly considering they're seventh in the league. Like that's not maybe an accurate representation of our best teams in like Australian football this season. And Melbourne City like still went unbeaten and got outplayed a few times, but also didn't have, like they had a few players out injured and stuff like that. And I didn't watch their games again. So like the point's a bit invalid, but I just think that it's it's normal for uh, clubs to retain a certain style throughout a match. Like and I guess adapting is important, but Melbourne City realistically should have just won almost every game and they didn't, you know, like, yeah, my rant's ended now because I've run out of things to say.
0: <laughs> Honestly is the best policy, of course. A League Youth players have been a, a, a sort of a big discussion, the point, not just across Australian football, European football as well. Um I think it's it's been very interesting to see the sentiment uh, brought about the guys the likes of Nestor Iragunda, um, Goran uh as well as uh, Marco Tilio, who have been mainly the three players that have been highlighted by sort of Euro- European agency, not agency, sorry, um, like uh, outlets and what have you. Um, I think it's it's just been very interesting to see also the statistics that have been accompanying these things. So. I'll start off with the following uh, an article from K-pop, which is fantastic. Um, so percentage of minutes given to players under the age of 21, the A-League men ranks, ranks eighth in the world uh, with 11.1% of minutes uh, given to players in, the, in, in this season so far. Uh, this was also backed up by an article by Dominic Bossy in the Sydney Morning Herald, in which he talked a lot about the youth talent coming out of the A-League men and, um, when referring in relation to Denny Genreau's uh, sort of promotion charge with Toulouse, in which they have promoted now to, to the league Ligue 1. And also some really interesting tidbits in here as well about sort of like what they've done, <laughs> realistically speaking, uh, uh, in terms of, you know, acquiring transfer fees. So it says the following here, uh, that Australia clubs in the past year received, uh, you know, fees... Uh, of up to $3.5 million Australian double the figure of last year and that's before the end of season transfer window opens in July um so the move from from genre going to to lose from MacArthur uh got the club around $300,000 including salon clauses uh the Adelaide uh, Riley McGree deal to Birmingham City Charlotte and now Middlesbrough um has brought in the club up to around $2.1 million in transfer fees, which is almost the salary cap for an entire season. Like, <laughs> uh, Ben Alleran to C- FC Seoul, Mork to Okayama, and Mohamed Toure to France are also deals that Adelaide United have completed in the past. Joel King was sold to Odense for $400,000 plus sell-on clauses, and Hearts poured in money to the A-League with the signings of Nathaniel Atkinson, and Cameron Devlin from Melbourne City and Newcastle, respectively, whilst Keanu Backus is off to St. Mirren, as alongside Philip Kankar is off to Livingston, and Marco Tilio is being targeted by European clubs, which is to be expected, He's Marco Tilio for crying out loud. Um, boys, what do we make of the, uh, the youth this season? Uh, there's a lot of talent coming out of the A-League now, and I think in, in a very doom-laden situation, which is the current state of the game in terms of viewing figures and what have you, is this the best crop of players we've seen since the Golden Generation? We'll start off it, with Jacob.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely... I'm not saying by the...
0: I'll preface this by saying I don't think these players are on the levels like Viduka or like...
1: Well, we're yet to know their ceilings, <laughs> so you never know. But I think the crop of A-League players coming through right now, uh, the youth players, are definitely the best we've seen, well, that I've seen in the past 15 years or however long I've watched the A-League. Um, that article as well, stating um, or the article slash investigation, is stating that the A Leagues, the eighth uh, ranked eighth with young players um, of av- with average um, average ages. I would probably say it's a good thing, but yeah, for the future of Australian football in the state of the A League, I think, and with all the um, protocols coming that they the APL putting into A-League, you know, with these new um, or whatnot. There's a lot of the list that I can't think on my on top of my head at the moment, but I think... Is it the, is
0: it the bench rule? The, um, the 23's bench rule?
1: Yep. I think they're it's all... all um, Sydney FC about that. In the next five <laughs> years. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Sydney FC true. getting a, a whopping, what, $5,000 fine?
0: Yeah! Wow! Jeez! It's, it's, <laughs> it's always like they could carry, like you know, uh, carry Alan Lafondra's wage for a week, like you know, like whoop you do. Go on, Jake.
1: But I think if we shouldn't, we should see the A League within the next five years in a brilliant state and a much better, um, much better quality than what than what we currently see. Not saying the quality isn't good now, but with the players coming through, especially, especially looking at the Socceroos, you know, we've got we've got Tilio coming through. We're not. McGree coming through, We've got Irin Kunda coming through eventually as well and a whole bunch of others in Europe. If Australian football isn't improved for the next, yeah, five years they've definitely they've definitely stuffed it up. So I think there's a lot of responsibility on the A-Leagues and the club and Football Australia for nurturing this young talent coming, um, coming through.
0: I'd like to add on that. Do you think a lot of it just comes down to sort of how these players are deployed and I guess out of necessity, sort of born out of necessity, as opposed to sort of utilization. I mean, how many fullbacks and centre backs are young? Um, you know, under the age of twenty-one. I think maybe Kai Truin and Jacob Farrell. That's all I can really think of off the top of my head. We um, haven't really.
1: Australia's never really been strong in the fullback position, haven't we? We've always because we all, especially youth coach, especially youth in um, in Australia, coaches they always want their best players to be playing. In um, key positions, in central midfield positions, in striker positions, attacking midfield winger positions, and they always chuck their like obviously not bad players. Um, I'm talking about like MPL youth coaches here, not bad players, but they're um, more of the role players in like the um, in the fullback positions or whatnot. And then once they transfer to um, from youth, like under 16s, over to under 18s or whatnot coaches don't really try and transition those like um, elite upper level plays into those fullback roles. They just try and squeeze squeeze them in and um, play around and whatnot. And they just pick up, you know, oh, you're a natural fullback, even though they may not be as technically um, gifted as the other players. Oh, you're a natural fullback. You can just, you can play there. You're the best fullback we've got at the moment. We don't try and, basically what I'm saying is once a player enters the system at around 12 or 13 years old, they're forced to pick a position. They're forced to stay in that position until basically they go in the A-League and whatnot. So I think it's a lot to do with youth coaches and a lot to do with um, how Football Australia are teaching our youth coaches and implement- implementing the tactics.
2: I actually okay. thought that full-backs and centre-backs are one of the more, like, youthful areas. Like, the Mariners' entire back four, I think, is under 23. And, like, even if, like, you look at Newcastle and they've got, like, Lucas Mara. rolls and- does not count. Is he not under twenty three? He's twenty four. No. <laughs> well, still Dan like Hall under twenty four. Dan Hall,
0: man, he's had a good season. Um, but like
2: yeah. their entire back four is under twenty four, and then like what else is there? The
1: Wanderers—they—they cool. two, their two right backs are young, uh, Aquilina and Russell. Think Wanderers then- is a great um, example of. Well, it's a great outlier of an example of um, utilizing youth players all over the park because you look at the likes of. Um, Coluccio and whatnot, like, he's been deployed as a fullback in his youth days, and um, now he's starting to play play more of an advanced role, but, yeah, it's, yeah, continue what you're saying, Jack, kind of stop (laughs) (laughs) mid-sentence. No,
2: I just think that, I mean, like, it's the good thing I reckon about Youth players. It sounds kind of obvious, but if they're all better, then more go overseas, which means then there's more chance um, for more youth players to come through because all of those are kind of like not mediocre but players who yeah. remain in Australian football throughout the entire like their entire career, they're all going overseas instead. And because there's less of them, that means that coaches kind of have to bring in more youth players because there's a there's a foreigner limit, which is when the foreigner limit becomes really good. So if we can get into that thing, like if because there's a lot of youth players where I think personally that they could genuinely like go overseas to a league that is better than the like A-League men's competition currently is, which is really good because it means like, say like, look at Melbourne City, like when they, they lose, like Atkinson, they might bring in someone like Talbot Maybe if Talbot goes overseas in a year, they bring in. They then choose to bring in another.
0: Is, is, is this a Jack George exclusive? Callum Talbot to, to Melbourne City. No, hasn't
2: that been around for? Nah, nah, nah. It's a, it's a, it's a rumor. It's a rumor. Go on, sorry. yeah, the rumour. Also, absolutely. Alessandro
0: Lapane to to uh, Melbourne City.
2: Yeah, and like players like that. Do it, they,
0: the like, wonders exactly want to keep like, him. The wonders want to like, keep him. I, I understand the wonders really want to keep him. Um, but, enough, um but like if Tilio yeah.
2: leaves. To be replaced by Lapane, then Lapane leaves overseas to be replaced by Lapane. Like, I everything. think they view Lapane
0: more as a, was a, a Metcalf replacement?
2: Ooh.
1: Yeah, no, I know, but you got to I mean <laughs> like, like even Metcalf. No, he, he's way more of an advanced player than the is.
0: That, who, who said he couldn't play as a play as a, you know a left sided? Um, I think
1: though.
2: he'd be really good as a left sided. Not saying he can't, but yeah, to be I fair, in, be- in FM,
0: I actually have signed Alessandro Lapane. So I already have Alessandro Lapano on the Wanderers, but it's ironic because I've actually got my midfield two at the moment is Aiden O'Neill and Kotomayev with <laughs> Idris Abdullahi on the bench, even though he's been reti- oh, like, retired for a couple of years now because he's actually Idris Abdullahi, he's re- he's gone. I think he's focusing on faith now. Um, remember him, the young sixteen-year-old oh, yeah. that came on for Melbourne City like yeah, I like about three him. years ago. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 um yeah he's gone. Oh, it's unfortunate. Anyway, good luck like, um, like
1: with the, whatever he's doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, focusing on oh uh, uh, happy right. Eid to all our to all our listeners as well. Um, uh, yes, happy well. Eid everyone. Yes, happy Eid everyone. Um, but I think it's oh. a very interesting discussion. Like I want to sort, I guess, continue on this point. Like I think young players as a whole in Australia. Like I think it's a, the maturation of academies for sure. But um, even I, I think what was really interesting for me. I, I commented at the Belmont Victory game on the weekend against Western United um the NPL team these are two these are two teams that don't really play a lot of youth like um I'm talking like you know 18 19 year olds um especially in the case of the Melbourne Victory like um there are a lot of players playing in that game that at senior minutes playing NPL 3 football Nishan Vlue plays 20 and you know I consider that to be relatively old for someone who's considering to break through um He's played twenty-one games this season. Leighton Brooks, who played in that game, was miles ahead of everyone. Was has played eight games this season. Jay Barnett played played three games this season. Only even the eight Aaron Andersons featured. Zayden Bello, who's twenty as well, nineteen, sorry, has barely featured this season. Four games last season hasn't featured under Popovich this season. And we talk about the whole the whole prevailing sentiment of how Ben Falami, at, at twenty-two, turning twenty-three next month, is you know a young star.
1: Wait, Ben Falami was playing MPL.
0: No no, 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 no. I'll, I'll no. talk about like Ben Falami, who, you know, and we talk about how Jake Brim is a young player as well. He's he's 24. Like, you know, these players aren't, aren't young anymore. You know, Louis, Louis Laurie Latanzia is 20. Um, and there's a lot of them are still playing MPL three football. Um, and I'm guessing, you know, Barnett and Anderson and and, and Laurie Latanzia will leave at the end of the season. But to me, it's interesting that you know, players in in Victoria, it's a very big issue. That young players who don't get game time play MPL
1: um, three, like where the only
0: team where the only team you were could have come up against that has any sort of credibility is Preston Lions. Go on, Jacob.
1: Yeah, I was like pro- propose a question, like probably just give everyone a quick rundown of the quality of MPL three and what you know. I'm not sure how many games you've watched between A League youth. Uh, Teams and MPL three teams. It's not right. It's line. not.
0: It's, it's it's not right though. That that's the how thing. much
1: that's of a di- how much of a difference of quality is there between the um, two sides? There
0: is though. There is like look. Yeah. Sydney FC's MPL one side. We'll talk on. We'll talk about this. Actually, I think it's actually a good sort of um, t- segue into the MPL. Um, Sydney FC's MPL one side is performing so well this season. They defeated Sydney United six one. Without Patrick Wood and Adrian Segatch, who I think are two of their best players, who um, are still playing the NPL, sitting at top of the table in the NPL New South Wales.
1: That no, that it's illegal for how ins- how good they're going. It's like it's 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 ridiculous. APR who are probably Apia are having the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Apia yeah, like man. What the fuck no, no. was that? It's like heart. It's not like art. I'm
2: sorry. Jacob. sorry. Yeah. But yeah, I guess angry Arpia. at the pronunciations, Jacob. I have. I
0: can't, it, even, um, I can't even. I can't even pronounce half of the players on the NPL teams because, like, they're all just you know, Croatian. It's like
1: you know. I was you know, going to say Lycart to be safe. And I was
0: I was there with George Mel's on um on Sun on Sunday, and you know he's pronouncing all these players with like you know exquisite like level of pronunciation. And I'm here like oh boy I don't even know I'm talking about, but. Yeah, Sydney have seen ridiculous. But go on, Jacob.
1: Yeah, they beat um, bloody Leichhardt 4-3. And Leichhardt have probably looked... They were looking to be early season favourites. But Sydney, they've just been consistent. And now it's, it's no... um It's no fluke now that they're a real deal. And it probably says something for NPL and New South Wales as, as well. They probably need to, you know, with this um, national second division talk and whatnot, they need to step up their game if they're all getting just... Absolutely outplayed by early youth teams.
0: I think it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion to be had because it's quite a contrast against Victoria. Um, it, it's it's quite the contrast where you have both sides in the top division or the second division. I know there was a restructure last year, um, which meant that these sides played and were, were, were essentially relegated to the third division. Um but <laughs> the table at the moment NPL 3. Preston lines are the biggest club in in, in the country. Um so <laughs> No, don't cliff that please. I someone I, cliff the, that. Uh, <laughs> the biggest NPL side in the country. I, I think what of they one of one of City atop Preston um Melbourne victory, Western United. That's that's top four, right? And then you've got North Sunshine afterwards. Um it's, it's a damning indictment on the state of Victorian football uh, if these three these three, three teams can't get in there. I think it's a bit, a bit of a contrast to New South Wales, though, because I think the academy structures have been in place for the Wanderers um, and Sydney FC and Mariners, and I think the Jets as well.
2: Like So, yeah, it, Wanderers and Mariners way. are both in League 1, which is the second division, and then the Jets are in League 3, which is the fourth division, but the Jets have... Uh, well, last season they completely dominated and won. This season it's actually looking a bit more interesting uh, in terms of whether they're uh, promoted guys,
0: I just want you to look at the Mariners' tweet um, and uh, then we'll, we'll continue. Just
2: I'm going con- to continue anyway. I'm going to be rebellious go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. I'm going to keep on talking on the podcast. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Yeah, so like it's not like, I mean, it's kind of like hard to look at. Uh, and then obviously there's MacArthur who like had that whole thing where they took an NPL club. Uh, and I think it's quite, um, so it's not like the same, it's not like, oh, Rosie. Okay. They're both cracking up <laughs> laughing.
0: <laughs> what <the? laughs>
2: I hope you guys are enjoying this content. Uh, oh, listeners. No. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, but uh yeah, the, the
0: mariner's tweet for the celebration of the of the victory against Brisbane is um
2: if you know you know.
1: <laughs> Free tweet. Please continue. We are incredibly sorry.
2: I'm I'm checking it now, you guys can talk. Um yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: but no no, I, I do I do agree with you. Like it's 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 very interesting to see the, the, the gap in quality, especially like I guess for the Mariners, you know their MPL2 is quite good. I think I'm not sure where they are on the table, to be honest. But um, is okay, it, not bad. Were the Wanderers? They, they, they were top soon, weren't they?
1: Wonder yeah. Oh, sorry, Mariners the third, Wanderers the fifth. So okay, it, well, there it might be a massive, um, massive difference to what Sydney FC are achieving at the moment. And I, it, in my opinion, I think it definitely is probably like a once in a 15 year moment that Sydney FC youth are having. Um, their youth side, their youth side coming through is like, it's, um watching them play football. It's just amazing. Like, I was um saying this the other day, if they versus the current Sydney FC um team at the moment and the form they're in, they will probably have a red hot crack at beating him like, and dominating the game as well. They're just absolutely, I mean, you saw it on the weekend against Sydney United, you know, there were talks that Sydney United were probably throwing the game just to try and, get their coach sacked which eventual which not um eventually happened with Haywood you know now leaving Sydney United but the point still stands is that they're putting 6 goals past the well established the well established NPL side
0: sacking of Joe Haywood too yeah. <laughs> but
1: yeah so he forced the
0: um, sacking of Haywood no? he's gone
1: right yeah he he is gone yeah he's gone now so yeah
2: Interesting. Can I say in my bias role, because uh, as like the uh, League Three reporter for New South Wales, Newcastle is a real. Three. Sorry,
0: I thought you were League Three, not League Two.
2: I said League Three.
0: Oh, they said League Two. No, like,
2: sorry. Oh well, League Three. Uh, Newcastle probably at the start of the season they won four nil and then like eight nil within the opening few games, so like they were destined to be get promoted. Uh, but it's looking a lot more interesting now in terms of like. Because they're third, they've played a couple of less games than the teams above them. But like, they recently came off a draw, and they've changed their coach, which is interesting. Um, because Rick Marchioli, or Marchioli—I don't know how to say his last name—is a fantastic coach, but we'll have to adapt. Fantastic playing... analyst,
0: a fantastic analyst as well. Did very well with MPL two side Brunswick City as well. Um, I think it was a victory analyst for last season as well. Very good, yeah.
2: Now he's assistant coach at Newcastle as well. But then he's juggling those commitments, so it's and they were, I would say, they were shooing to get promoted. Uh, but now it's looking a lot more interesting with a couple. How about of
0: teams. Gary? Is it Gary Van Engelman coming in at the Jets? Is yeah, that... yeah,
1: Gary Van Engelman's now. Um, now, what do you say? Yep. Oh, sorry, yeah, Gary Van Englund, yeah, he's he's going to the Jets. Um, is it youth? That he, he's coaching the youth now, isn't he?
2: Right, well, oh, Marcelli's youth coach at the moment. Interesting, um,
0: oh. but I think I think we'll just recap the MPL Victoria to start off with. Um, it's been a very interesting season here because like South just came up right hot, right? They just won their first eight, seven games or so. I think they drew and then they lost, um, to Oakley. Um, so they still have a six point lead at the top of the table. Obviously, Oakley have a game in hand due to the well. If you saw the state of that Melbourne Knights pitch on Friday, then Jesus Christ, um. <laughs> Did you see that, Jacob? The, the state of the pitch. It was terrible. Why is there
1: <laughs> coming? Yeah, for context. My, local, my local ground's so much better than that. What
0: <sighs> yeah, for, for context, the Knights' pitch has been very bad this season and they had to call off the game after 15 minutes. Um, uh, so South currently lead at the top of 28 points with Oakley in second on 22, followed by Avondale on 22, as they drew with Dan Nog City on the weekend with Mickey Kalina departing the club. Um, we'll touch on that brawl at the end. Um, Jacob, what did you make of my commentary?
1: <laughs> um, I don't know why you're not in the A-League yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, no, yeah. in, in all serious, in all seriousness, yeah, it's it's good commentary, especially compared to other NBL um, M- one commentators. As you know, we've privately shared that uh, that dunk. It was absolute scenes, yeah. wasn't it? Shout
0: out to Clutch TV, um uh, TV. Yeah, that's Clutch. Um, of course, uh, the, the Greens are in fourth on 19 points followed by the Port Melbourne Sharks are in fifth on 19. They've lost the last two games and they have a big game against uh, the Greens uh, this weekend as well. NPL uh, New South Wales. Uh, actually, sorry, before we touch on that, Jacob, uh, who, who has been your surprise packet from Victoria? Who's impressed you the most?
1: Ooh, I bang. think for the most surprising team this year, it's been a pretty... Um, actually, no, St. Albans Saints for sure. Um, they've started they're good. The season, they've they're actually good. started the season off red hot. They're within the top four for a lot of it, but they're back in eighth, but a lot higher than, you know, what they should be. They should really be um, like this, not discrediting the team, but looking um, on paper at the side and their previous year's results. They should be, you know, aiming for that. Um, not aiming, but they would be around that. Normally, they're a yeah, battle, but... Yeah. I played like uh, Nikola Yerkovich, Zander Guy. They absolutely.
0: Jokovic's goal against the Eastern last
1: week was a. Oh, that was. Ooh. Brilliant, but St Albans Saints—they're definitely my surprise package. But on the other end of the spectrum, uh, I think it's worth mentioning Hume City that having an absolutely disastrous well, season.
0: You lose your major sponsor, um, things do go a bit awry. Um, let's just say, ABD don't have... sponsor. A B D don't sponsor them anymore. I think they're I think they've gone under, haven't they? The so much so that the stadium's called Valley Park Event Center. Like
1: you'll probably have you probably to have, to have more more team. knowledge than me about that, but Hume City there, they're not particularly playing well. But they are off the bottom of the table now. They were on that for the whole season. They yeah, they, they defeated the Lions Lions. My
0: my Lions, my Lions did concede defeat. Very I'm a,
1: I am a I'm a self
0: confessed uh, Eastern Lions not supporter, but like I've got a lot of admiration for them. Good people at the club, and also they I think they're unveiling un- the Jimmy Williams down this weekend as well. Um, I think at, um, they, at the uh, game personal, against Screen Gully. Sorry?
1: Personal personal opinion: they shouldn't have um, parted ways with Costy. They didn't part
0: ways. He resigned.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, he should. They they shouldn't have though. Uh, it's Costy resigned. <laughs> oh did he resign, resign yes he resigned i told you he oh, res- i thought, it was, I, I thought it was just no nah, like no nah, he, he, okay, he resigned okay well there you go yeah i think Lombardo's a-, a decent coach this, this is such
0: a niche football chat that nobody would get except like me and you um <laughs> mp on new south wales Sydney Sydney fc youth up top with 20 points RPL leichardt in 19 that's like not in 19 they have two points so no <sighs> they're second and they have 19 points Blacktown City also uh, in third place with nineteen points, alongside Rockdale in fourth with eighteen, uh, and Marconi in fifth with fifteen, Manly in sixth with fourteen, and there's sort of a bit, a bit of a drop off with a four point gap between Sydney Olympic and Sydney United. Um, Jack, what do you make of the season so far? We've talked about Sydney FC um, this season, and I think RP have done they've done they've done well to chase them, haven't they?
2: Yes. Yes, they have now. And I haven't been watching much of the season because I've been watching league three men's and stuff like that. So I agree. It's been a great season and it's interesting to see Sydney FC top. And hopefully I can watch more when the, when the A-League men's season finishes. That's my Uh,
0: statement. Jacob's our NPL New South Wales expert. Uh, what, What else, what else do you have? What else do you see from the, from that division?
1: um definitely um apia have improved a lot over the season um over the off season they've bring in a lot of key players including jason romero who um who came from league one which was MPL 2 uh from george uh st george city who's absolutely popping off he's definitely in contention for not only uh golden boot but also i would say um player of the season definitely one to watch To Potentially his foot in the A-League. I know that's one of his aspirations. Um, but, the problem um, is he's a foreigner, isn't he, technically right now? Yeah, he's American. He so. was on trial with the
0: Wanderers, and I think they opted to sign Geordie Swibble instead.
2: But Because um, he'd take a foreigner spot. That's why yeah. I reckon, yeah.
0: I think, same, same situation as Nal Bernardo, who was on trial with Adelaide as well, wasn't he?
2: Ah, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's it been... Is a- what-
2: He's been a bit disappointing, I admit. Sorry to interrupt Jacob, continue.
1: Oh yeah, sorry. Um and I think it's worth note for everyone out there. I'm sure a lot of people know who Wollongong Wolves are and um how they were they were definitely up in um up within the top 2, top 3 um last season or the season before. They've dropped off a lot this year and they're now sitting in ninth place only 8 points.
0: Interesting. Very and interesting.
1: And the comparison between two A-League youth sides as well with Sydney FC obviously being on top, like we've mentioned before, but um, the Northbridge uh, Bulls, which is very odd. You know, yeah. like, everyone who doesn't know, Macarthur are based in southwest Sydney and Northbridge are based in North Sydney. So, And they've, for some reason, become affiliates. Northbridge previously being an affiliate to... It makes, Mariners, more, it
0: makes but, less sense than, than the Mariners.
1: It punch, makes a lot less sense.
0: Where but, uh, a, a certain player did play for them. Um, in the past,
1: ah, yes. Well, yeah, Northbridge Bulls, uh, they're, they're dead last with minus 14 goal difference. So I think they and but they won't be relegated though, with NPL New South Wales becoming a 16 team comp next season.
0: There you go, more
1: restructuring.
0: Uh, the final point obviously, transfers has been a little bit of a talk about you know, players moving where we'll have you. Um, we talked about Lapane before. Uh, also, this is a big plug for the Kick360 Transfer Hub, uh, which uh, is available now. Uh, we'll be updating that every day with all the transfer news coming from uh, our sources soon, uh, as well as uh, also all the, 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 the stuff on other websites and stuff, such as you know, Fairfax and other or, other organizations and what have you. Um, uh, first one being Philip Kankar is off to, or Chancha, should I say, is off to Livingston FC. Um interesting considering he started most of the games after Redan has come in. He's now playing MPL, uh, which is interesting. Um, Jack, what do you make of Chancha Can he can he adapt to the side that Lyndon Dyke's broken at?
2: I uh, I think so. Yeah, he seemed to it's kind of hard because he was a bit of a small sample size before he just dropped out of the squad. He seemed quite good on the ball, uh, relatively decent defensive intelligence and was quite a commanding player, I guess. So I think he'll do well in Scotland, but it's always hard to judge the league, particularly a league that I personally don't watch. Well, I haven't watched a single game of
0: season.
2: I don't have, oh, I don't someone have Stan. That accent. Sorry, not Stan. Be in. What? Someone plug that accent. Nah. Can I instead read out a tweet reply from Harper? To this podcast, because yeah, I was going to say before, but, but go on. Uh, so he says, shout out to and then caps lock mighty, and then normal writing. Coventry United of the FA Women's Championship, were almost liquidated, got deducted ten points, needed to win on the weekend to stay up, and scored eight. And this is all in caps lock, so this is exciting. So I'm going to shout this stoppage time free kick to win the bloody thing.
0: Massive. So that's exciting. Absolutely massive. That is mint. It gets the, the, the seal of approval from fellow hosts. And shout outs to uh, Schmeichel FC that won the Division 4 Bronze Cup Championship at Futsal Oz Brunswick. Shout outs to them. Tom Williams with an absolute banger. scored two. George Scott as well with the goal man. Shout outs to them. Uh, Tom Williams is the uh, reincarnation of all these season of the year. Um, uh, Moving on. Uh, of course, uh, Keanu Backus is off to St. Mirren. Uh, which is where Matthew Miller plays his football at the moment. Uh, Jacob, what are your thoughts on that move for him?
1: I oh, probably, I don't have much, um, much to add to the move. I think a move overseas for County Backus is um, is well overdue. He's has no, that was his brother who went over to the South African Premiership. Premiership,
0: but yeah, yeah. I'm um, South African, so
1: it was yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, back onto the topic, it's well overdue. I think he – for him develop, to develop his football just a little bit more, maybe when he was a, around that um, 20, 21-year-old phase, take that move. But it's good to see him go overseas now and play for St. Mirren, who um, – correct me if I'm wrong, but are they in the SPL? Yeah, they are in yes. the SPL. Okay. They're, they're so, very yeah. well. so, it'll be it'll be great to test these um, – Tessie's footballing ability against the likes of Rangers and poster um Celtics.
0: so Coglu. <laughs> I think um I think Harper might have to make his podcast a uh, Ange Postecoglou tribute tribute show next week when um when they eventually do defeat Hearts I don't know uh, and you, lastly ter- Terry Tottis is being shopped to other clubs
2: um that was broken by Aussie Scout
0: yeah, shout out Saudi Scout man. He's the guy. He's the boy. The man. No she. one knows who he is. He or she. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> the greatest. Oh, I know the he's greatest. been on this podcast. Never mind. <laughs> he has been on this spot he's, he he he. Uh, what well, we presume. Um, yeah, yeah. He's he's great. He's he's fantastic. Um, but uh, other than that, I think we've got one question from Jules. Let me have a look at what he said. Give me a second. Uh, where can we view transfer for the A-League clubs in the upcoming transfer season? The Kick360 Transfer Hub. Good night, everyone. I'm joking. Um, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> um, I guess uh, my sort of final question to, to Jacob and to Jack, uh, top six of the A-League men uh, is beginning to shape up. Uh, where do you see each team finishing? Uh, obviously, with, I guess, what, some teams are two games in hand, some teams have, have got one. Uh, we'll start off with Jack. Um, City are currently top. This is for the podcast. Listen, City are currently top at the time of recording. Uh, They play a game against Perth on Wednesday, um, which they should win. Uh, Victory is second with 45 points. West United in third with 44, with also two games in hand. I think they're playing... Adelaide United this weekend. Uh, Adelaide United in fourth place on 40 points. Mariners in fifth with twenty-five. Sorry, with 39 points. And Wellington in sixth with 36 points. Um, this top six is more or less settled. It's sort of where the teams do end up. Um, that's sort of a little bit ambiguous. Um, but yeah, Jack, uh, as I did ramble, uh, your time to
2: shine. Okay. I'm going to just make straight up predictions now, assuming the top six remains the same, like as it is right now. So Western United we'll lose to Wellington Phoenix, and the Mariners will beat Adelaide, and then who are the Mariners? The Mariners versus Melbourne Victory. No. No, Wellington will versus Melbourne Victory, and they'll lose, and the Mariners versus Melbourne City, and they'll lose, and then Melbourne Victory will win the grand final against Melbourne City.
0: I was also talking about where the teams would finish up on the tables. I realised
2: halfway through. I realised halfway through. <laughs> Oh, sorry, um,
0: the, the Jets are actually playing West United tomorrow. Jake, are you, are you gonna get out, get out to
1: that game? Uh tomorrow night. I am. Um, yeah, why not? I got a free. <laughs> I got a free night. Why not? <laughs> Decided here, right? I right know. Off the- Normally, when I go to games, it's last minute decision. Like I'll be, it'll be what two hours before kickoff. off. we be scrolling through Instagram. All right, Jets play today. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh,
0: first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Let's hear it.
2: Um, City first, Melbourne Victory second, Western United third, Adelaide fourth, Mariners fifth, and Wellington sixth.
0: Interesting.
1: Jacob? I just read the table. Mel- Melbourne's... <laughs> 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 I reckon um, Melbourne City definitely, obviously, number one. Who They're versing Perth Glory and Wellington Phoenix, who they should beat with no worries. Um, definitely first. Second place is a little bit interesting with victory and United, um, Western United that is both being um, able to finish, finish there. Uh, victory have with sorry Western United have one game in hand, but uh, Sydney FC, uh, Melbourne. Tom, Victory's you've already only- got a
0: shout out. Just pipe down. You already got a shout out. Listen back.
1: I'll <laughs> <laughs> just A shout out.
0: <laughs> you already got a shout out. <laughs>
1: but yeah, um, Melbourne. Melbourne Victory um, face Sydney FC in their only game um, for the season, so that Big Blue is always a good match to to watch. And could go either way, no matter the form of each team. And West United have Newcastle Jets and Adelaide United, which I don't see them getting all six points out of. So, victory second, West United third, Adelaide United will finish fourth, um, and fifth and sixth between Central Coast and Wellington. Central Coast probably have fifth. Um, Fifth locked in because Wellington's last two games aren't particularly the easiest. Um, Wanderers against Wellington. Uh, who was it that didn't Wellington flog the Wanderers the last time they first? Not sure um, about that. No, <laughs> Wait, who I, know. Who's well, I know, all I
0: know is that Wellington have the second worst goal difference in the entire league and there's fourth and their sixth. So like yeah, that, that could
1: definitely play in hand. So if um, who did Wellington vlog? They vlogged a couple of teams in succession. I'm not sure if one of them were um, Wanderers or not. But hmm. for everyone who doesn't know, um, if Wellington Phoenix lose both their games against the against the Wanderers and City, Melbourne City, and if Sydney FC win both their games against Raw and Victory, um, then Sydney FC make finals. So <laughs> that's not happening. Definitely that potential. I I could it could happen, but. No, Wellington will finish sixth.
0: We shall see. We shall see. I think, personally, this will be the top six. Uh Melbourne City top, victory second, West United third. Uh Mariners to jump into fourth place. A in fifth, Wellington in sixth. I rate, I rate, I rate um the Mariners' chances this season. Uh Harper asked for another champion for for um sorry, another shout out for uh, Tom Williams says he's a Bronze Cup, bronze cup champion. Uh, good luck for your game at 10.40. Uh, will I come down to Brunswick? Um, I'm actually considering it, but I don't think so. I can't be stuffed to drive now. Is that uh, a football to... game at 10.40? Could commentate.
1: Uh, could commentate, Neil. No. 1040, uh, wait, 10.40 there, tonight or tomorrow morning? Tonight. 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 That is way too late for a football You know what? Game. It's
0: never late for the Bronze Cup champions, Michael FC, to play in their division for Tuesday night games. Never, never, never too late.
1: Um, Neil, will there be will there be a live stream on the Smike no. um Instagram page?
0: No. Oh, damn it! <laughs> I've actually relinquished control to the Instagram account, so um, there you go. Oh. Um, yeah, no, nah, it's just you know, I, I it has to be courteous, you know. When I'm, when I'm not in attendance, just, there's no point of me actually having control over the over the handle. They um, and
2: are popping off in the comments.
0: Yes, they are. They are on they're, the channel. They are talking a lot, uh, which is
1: which is great to see. Yeah. Good engagement. Yeah, to get the engagement up. <laughs> Man, you got to get the
0: engagements up. Anyway, you can catch all our content on kick3cc.com.au. A lot of content um, coming out uh, this week and next week and every week, really, every day. There's a great week on, on the Wellington Phoenix's uh, A League women's season that has that just gone with um, Jack. You can talk more about that now, <laughs> quickly. Sorry. <laughs> about, I was your... The <laughs> about your read uh, with the Phoenix women.
2: Uh, yeah, I wrote about how uh, – well, actually, I didn't write. They basically wrote it for me, and I just typed it up because I, I spoke to Mackenzie Barry and Chloe Not from Wellington Phoenix's women's team about, I guess, the challenges of playing away from home from New Zealand, like literally in a different country for an entire season. And it turns out, as expected, it's really hard for them, and they – and it was really interesting to speak to them and to just kind of look at how they kept the well, like kept the league alive and like the challenges along the way and what they enjoyed about it, you know, like that first win and what it really meant to them, considering like all the challenges they faced beforehand and like being able to celebrate with each other. It was, it was quite heartwarming to be able to listen firsthand. And I hope I've kind of explained that slightly to even like 5% of that emotion within the article. So tell me whether I did that or not by reading it please
0: read it please or the Chris Brown and also our, our two Dwight York exclusive interviews are also available uh, t- uh Oliver Walker Peel conducted that and he did a great job uh Dwight York of course uh A-League All-Stars manager and potentially Perth Glory although it seems as if the mail is coming out from Perth that it will be Ruben Zadkovich um who will have the role for the remainder of the season so of course he will he just there's one more just one game left um I meant like next season whatever um i've been neil simons he's been jacob Bryce and jack george as well we'll catch you guys next well i won't half will and he won't have as much you know dross talk for 30 minutes um that's that's, that's my fault but yeah we'll see you guys soon and uh, have a great weekend Week. <laughs>